0: You helped establish the Upper Room Church. Um, You've also got a ministry called Braveheart, which equips the church. I'm sure we'll hear a little around these things. Um, And Christy, you've been involved recently in some women's ministry. I'd love to hear the significance of that and what brought you here. Please tell us more. Sure, well, first of all, thank you for having us. This is truly a very special moment for us um, just to be with you guys. We love South Africa, we love Durban. Whenever we come here, we feel like we've come home. So thank you for welcoming us. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, for me, we uh, we, we came here in 2008, we fell in love with the country and we thought we're just gonna pack our bags and move here. Uh, the Lord always has something different when it comes to process. You know, He loves to take us on the journey because it's more about Christ being formed inside of us than the destination. And so He's been forming Himself inside of us for a long time. Uh, we came back here in 2015 uh, and again thought, we're going to pack our bags and move here. And the Lord was like, no, you're not. Uh, he had something for us in Dallas. And. Um, and so we've been in Dallas, and, and I've just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to lay Africa down at your feet, and I'm going to be in Dallas, and I'm going to be a mom, and that's what I've been personally doing for the past 10 years, is that that mom life, which I'm sure there's some women in here that can relate to that. I want to encourage the women that are in here that that's a beautiful season, that the Lord really does uh, form himself inside of you, so don't run from that, but embrace it. And him in the struggle of it. Uh, but in, in just earlier this year, I, I began to ask the Lord. I said, Lord, are you inviting us back to South Africa? Uh, this country has always been on our hearts, and, and I felt like I had, I had laid it at his feet, but I felt this stirring in my heart that maybe there was an invitation again. And as the Lord does, he just said, well, just knock on a door. And I said, okay. And uh, we, we got acquainted with Joan and Titch at Live Village in 2008. Uh, they explained to us the vision of Live, which was something that actually was very much in my heart, uh, but I heard him give a vision for it, and I was like, yes, that's what I see. And then we came back in 2015, and I saw it, and it was just this beautiful uh, village where children are being taken in and loved and raised up, and so... Uh, so this past February, I just knocked on the door and I said, Corita, who's now one of the ones running the village, I said, hey, would there be an opportunity for us to come and serve? And she said, actually, we would love for you to come. We could find lots of things to do. And at this particular time, Peter and I, and he'll share more about this, but we were uh, in this 40-day season of taking communion regularly. The Lord's table has become very precious to us. And so we had been in this fast with our little small community of fasting and taking communion. And uh, and so when I knocked on the door and I said, Corita, could we come? She said, oh, I would love for you to come. And there's actually a women's conference and it's called the Lord's Table. And I said, I think that's a sign. And she said, we would love to have you come and speak. And so I just we just kept on walking through the door as it opened. The Lord provided us a way to come here. And so yesterday was beautiful being able to be with the women at live and just to see God fulfill so many prayers and you know there was a lag time Corita got the vision for the come to the table conference back in 2020 and then the whole world shut down Um, but the Lord's timing is perfect and so I want to encourage any of you here that are in that lag time in that wait time to tell you that the Lord's timing is perfect And if you get off course, he's really good to get you back on course. Uh, So anyways, but it's just been really beautiful to be here. So thank you. Yeah.
1: It's green now. You want me to say something? No, it's just an honor. I want you to be here. It's an honor to be here. Um, So this is very surreal for us. Just take a quick moment and and honor the Lord and His faithfulness. Um, I was pursuing professional soccer in 2008. I had a tryout with Tonda Royals uh, here. I was playing professionally in Finland. Um, God has a sense of humor. He opened a door and a tryout for me in South Africa. Didn't know a soul here. We were staying... Over by the Botanical Gardens, um, we were three days in this country praying for fellowship. uh, And a guy by the name of Warren Hill um, tapped us on the shoulder in Musgrave, uh, in Musgrave Center at Circus Circus. And he began to pray over us, prophesy over us, and he invited us to this church. Um, And within a a few days, we became family with this house. Um, I didn't make the team. Two days later, Clint, Clint Walter was leading a team Uh, to Zimbabwe and he says I think you should come with us to Zimbabwe we said we think you're crazy he said we have biltong I said I'm in and um and so (laughs) biltong by the way is the stuff amen if an American comes and tries to tell you beef jerky is better don't let them preach teach do anything they're untrustworthy (laughs) it's amazing and so we went on this trip um and just made lifelong friends. Um, We came back, we had nowhere to stay. The Wegerleys opened their home to us um, and we just um, felt a deep kindred connection. And so I want you to know um, there are, for those of you who are new here, it sounds weird to exhort you in this way, but the leadership of this house, the legacy, the culture, the hospitality, the honor, the kingdom that exists in this house is so real. Um, and this is a very, very, very special place, um, not just to us, but to the Lord. Um, and so I can say that because I don't live here, but I just want to honor uh, the leadership of this house um, and what you carry, because what you, how you received us and loved us has marked us for the last 14 years. Um, and so we are honored to be here this morning. Yeah. Amen. Hey, listen, don't hold back. I won't hold back. Praise God. He told me don't hold back. Thank you, Jesus. Um, if you have your Bibles, open to 1 Corinthians uh, 11. I'm going to share the word with you. Uh, like Christy said, we've been in this, um, this season where the Lord is really breathing upon his table, the body and, and the wine, um, the body and the blood. And um, how many of you know there's just seasons and times when God begins to highlight and breathe things that we know, things that we're familiar with, but His Spirit will begin to to breathe upon them, to awaken us to them. Amen? And so we've been in that season. We, we did a 40-day communion fast, which really just, we just took communion every night, um, and we were just seeking the Lord and asking God for a revelation of His broken body and His shed blood. And uh, So we've been in this In this vein, and um, as I was praying for this time, I just really felt um, to release some of that which He's been speaking to us uh, in this regard. And so, um, if you can just join me with the spirit of prayer, Um, this isn't just a warm up for the word. If you can really turn your heart uh, to the Lord, I want us to collectively pray together. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We honor you in this place. We confess that we need you. Spirit of God, we need you this morning. It's not by might or by power that anything will happen. It's not by the passion of man. It's by you, Spirit of the living God, breathing upon us. Awakening us to Jesus. Awakening us to covenant. God, we confess and are aware that this morning we come here in this place with different things on our hearts and our minds, different circumstances, financial issues, relational issues, health issues, cares of this world. Lord, we we acknowledge them, Lord. We know that they're here, but Lord, we, we choose this moment to lift our eyes, to lift the eyes of our heart to the one. Spirit of God, would you help us see Jesus this morning? Would you give us spiritual understanding and wisdom and insight? Would you strengthen us in our inner man? Would you unveil the reality and the beauty and the power of your table, Lord? God, I pray there would be a sovereign grace imparted to Glenridge Church, God, of unity. God, that any offense and division, jealousy, striving, comparison, Lord, that it would come crashing down this morning. God, every manifestation of division in this house in particular, God, I'm asking at your table, would it come down this morning? As the walls of Jericho fell, I pray that every wall of offense and bitterness in distance and separation in marriages, in relationships, in small groups, in leadership, it would just come down this morning, and that love, your love, Jesus, would reign supreme. Holy Spirit, we trust you to do this. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. all right you have your bibles yes no amen all right first corinthians 11 Um, this is amazing paul is actually rebuking uh, the church how many of you love a good rebuke come on now to the wise it's like oil on your head amen don't be afraid of the lord's discipline his rebuke it's healthy it's good it's right he disciplines us for our good so that we can share in his holiness. Amen. Oh, it's lovely. So he's rebuking the church, and and um, you know, one of the things he began to hear whispers of is that there were divisions in the body. I'm just gonna give you a little context here. There was divisions among the people. People were having meals, they they were they were not actually taking communion now i don't know where you where you come where your background is from like church wise um but for some of us the lord's table communion is a very ritualistic traditional thing it's um for some of us perhaps it's lost its meaning it's lost its power it's lost its weight in fact we can say for the for the church at large globally I think we must have strayed from the Lord's table because of how divided we are. Our division incriminates us that we don't actually understand the unity found at the Lord's table. I'm going to say it again. The fact that we are so divided denominationally, racially, in so many different ways. I'm talking about now... The global church, amen? This isn't specific here, but the global church is so divided. How many of you know right now, friends, the world is confused? The world is confused because the church is divided. We've got these, we've got influencers and people saying these things, people who bear the name of Christ and they're taking on messages different than the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I want to say something. I believe the church in this hour has one message, and it's Jesus. It's that His body was broken and His blood was shed for mankind. This is the message of the church, and I I am all for engaging in culture. I am all for uh, ascending the mountains of influence and bringing the kingdom of God. Amen. We need this. Amen. Marketplace, political, entertainment, we need the gospel, we need bright and shining lights. But listen, if you climb those mountains and you do not shine for Christ and proclaim the gospel and manifest His name, you climbed that mountain for you, not for Him. (laughs) Daniel ascended into this place in Babylon of leadership, of excellence, language, And yet he stood for righteousness in the face of of a wicked regime. He began to pray. He began to call upon the name of God. There there was no mixture in him. He didn't climb and go, up. I'm in this place of influence. I don't want to risk it because now I'm here for the kingdom. And so now I'm going to leverage my authority. No, he got on his knees. And he called upon God. And so... I believe this division is something that's very real. I believe that part of what we're seeing in the world is a result of this fragmentation in the body of Christ. There's a fence between us. We're quickly offended. We're quickly irritated. We're quickly wondering why the leadership didn't notice us. We're all all in this place of just like wrestling, and I believe the key for us this morning is at the Lord's table. Amen? And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit to, to give us fresh eyes, to give us humility as we approach the body and the blood. Listen, there's profound, amazing teachings upon this. There's profound revelations surrounding the Lord's table. but I want us to come with a sense no matter what you know, no matter what God has shown you. I want us to come with a sense of humility this morning to go, "Wow Lord." I, I wonder if you could show me something new. Not not necessarily show me something new, but that which I know could become real in my heart again. Could become something sacred to me again. Not something that I have to try to revere and oh, we're doing the Lord's table, okay. We're gonna okay, I gotta get quiet and serious for a minute. <laughs> but that there would be an there would be an honest, real reverence and understanding of who he is and what he's done for us at his table. So verse 23 of chapter 11 we'll start there let's read together Paul says for i received from the lord what i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread I think that's interesting on the night he was betrayed he took bread it's an interesting detail That the the Lord gives us. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. It wasn't the last night that he, the last supper, he took bread. It wasn't when he was with his friends, he took bread. It wasn't his last night on earth, he took bread. It was the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. So he takes bread and he breaks it. The Lord takes bread and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body, which is for you. It's for you. This is for you. This is for you. This is not for me. This is for you. Takes bread, he breaks it, he goes, this is my body, which is for you. So his body is for us, for you, for me. Do this in remembrance of me. Do what? Break bread. Do this that we're doing. Have a meal, break bread. Remember that this is my body for you and do this in remembrance of me. So the Lord's table is first and foremost about remembrance. Say remembrance. Remembrance is one of the most casual words, yet I believe one of the most significant words to having a strong faith in God. If you study the journey of Israel... Their, their great downfall was they did not remember the Lord. In fact, Sabbath was instituted for the purpose of remembrance. Sabbath wasn't about putting your feet up and watching a movie. It was about remembrance. It was about coming around weekly and going, hey, do you remember when the Lord parted the Red Sea? Do you remember when God broke his body? body and game do you remember that's what sabbath was all about it was a day of remembrance it was a day of being reminded of who jesus is and what he's done and what he's like and so god institutes this holy sabbath this day set apart for remembrance so that we wouldn't forget because what happens when you forget when you forget the lord your circumstances your feelings everything around you becomes bigger than him And you forget that there is bread for you and a table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, I want to say something to you. The New Covenant is the most marvelous, magnificent, majestic, beautiful phrase in the entire Bible to me. New Covenant. If you hear the word New Covenant and you're going, okay, next, I want to tell you, you have moved past something altogether beautiful and lovely the new covenant is the possibility of mere mortals standing face to face with the god of abraham isaac and jacob in knowing him as father intimately the possibility of being born again born of god Not born of the flesh, of the will of man, not born of, of, you know, what, what, what do my mom and dad think? No, this is the possibility of being born again, of being dead to sin, alive to God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and not dying, by the way. How does this happen? How clean must you and I be, by the blood of Jesus, for the spirit of the living God to dwell in my mortal body, and I'm not spontaneously exploding? Come on. We know the word of God here, amen? Uzzah touches the ark, boom, dies. He touches the presence and he dies. Yet we walk around thinking that we're temples of the Holy Spirit and we're not amazed that we don't die. People get offended at tongues, where I come from. You know, we live in the Bible church area and tongues is a very controversial issue. And I'm like, listen, if, if a heavenly language is the strangest things that happens when the living God comes and dwells inside of me, <laughs> we're doing all right. Like, I'm surprised there's not more, like, fireworks. <laughs> Fire coming out of our ears. Let's be real. Do we really believe God lives in us? Or is it just poetry? Is it just tradition? Well, yeah, God lives in me, praise God. No, does God live in you? the same one that parted the Red Sea, raised Lazarus from the dead, does he in fact live in you? The same spirit, the Bible says, that when Jesus was lying as a corpse in a grave, keys rattling on his side. He wakes up. The same spirit that did that. You have to imagine a corpse, a dead corpse in Jesus. In the spirit of God, God, and this man this God man wakes up and breathes again the firstborn of many brethren and he comes out of that grave and he's alive forevermore never to die again and he lives he's now alive animated by the spirit he all three in one and he breathes upon his disciples receive the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that quickened me, that conquered the grave. I want him now to dwell inside of you. Why? Because you will face trouble and trials and tribulations. And you're going to need something more than willpower and motivation and a good message. You need me. You need God. You need a freight train inside of you. Who when you get stoned to death at Lystra, Paul. And they drag you out of the city supposing you're dead. Then the disciples gathered around him. They lift him up and he goes you know what I'm going to go to another town and preach the gospel there also because that's my assignment I'm not going on sabbatical I'm not pulling back going this is hard ground I can't believe they stoned me to death he got his big boy pants on in the gospel praise God and he goes I'm going to the next towns. I'm going to preach there also why because God's in me Because God's in me. This isn't Superman Christianity. In his weakness, God is made strong. He's manifest. They realize, wow, there must be something inside of you that's not of this world. And there's something about the Lord's table, about communion, that is a confession and a belief and a faith in this reality. Listen to this. Jesus has made himself palatable through human things. He's given us a visual, a tangible visual that every time we eat, as often as you do it, we can actually remember the Lord. We can remember this reality that I'm talking about. Now keep reading. He says, this is is the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Listen to me and listen closely. This will change your spiritual life if you haven't already got this. The blood of Jesus is your relational proximity to God. You cannot get closer to God than through the blood. So no matter how much you get your act together, listen to me, all the way in the back and across the way, the only way any human ever comes close to God is by the blood of Jesus you can't get close to God any other way because if you get close to God because you shared the gospel in a crusade or because you had a few days of of right living, then now you are coming based on your own works and your own merit and you might as well have scorned the blood of Jesus. Now is there fruitfulness, is there beauty in right living and holiness? Absolutely, hear me. But our proximity, our relational access, the cup of the covenant is in the blood. Ephesians 2.13 says this, You who were once far off have now been brought near by the blood. So the only way to get near to God, everyone say near to God, is by the blood of Jesus. This is awesome. This is awesome. Now, if we really believed this, I think a lot of us would just start getting tased and we'd be in the fetal position, laughing and crying. Because nearness to God is our good. It's what we need. When you're near to God, everything fades away. Betrayal fades away. Your financial issues, they fade. You found that he's JIRA, He's your provider. He's your healer. He's everything. He's all sufficient one. It's the presence of God. It's him. It's him. It's him. It all fades away. It all fades away. Oh, I got to get to my message. One of the ladies here prayed um, that we were going to feast this morning. And so I hope you're hungry. I'm only here once. It's been how many? F- Fourteen years. I'm going to feed you, praise God. <laughs> I will. If you get physically hungry and you're tired of eating spiritually, God bless you. You can leave. <laughs> but I'm going to keep feeding you here. Watch this. Now, this is, this is the point here. He says, do this as often as you drink it, again, in remembrance of me. I want to make this quick note. Remembrance is unto faith. You can write that down. Remembrance is unto faith. So when you remember God, it actually stimulates faith. So remembrance will cultivate a strong faith, and faith is unto intimacy. A strong faith is unto confidence. You'll see, you'll see faith and confidence with God are inextricably linked in the scriptures. When someone has faith, it doesn't mean that they're strong in their own selves. It doesn't mean that they flexed a muscle. It means that they saw Jesus rightly and they fully trusted in him. That the spirit, this Jesus it says, is the author and perfecter of faith and faith is unto intimacy and intimacy is unto victory this is our victory when you are intimate with God you will overcome because when you walk face to face with God there's nothing there's nothing that can steal your joy there's nothing when you're truly intimate you can't fake intimacy you can't fake countenance I can tell when someone's been looking at God you can tell you, you don't see it, you can, you, sometimes you can see it physically, but Moses, when he was with God, he shone like a light bulb in the old covenant. You think we can't tell when someone has been in the secret place looking at their father going, God, I love you. Well, thank you for loving me, Lord. I worship you. I adore you, Lord. You're everything to me. It transforms a per- person's countenance. It changes you. It, 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 you. You become like him because you become what you behold. Amen? Alright, so there's this crazy phrase, and this is what I want to I unpack to you. For as often as you eat this bread, this is verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. That is a funny, funny phrase. So every time... We gather, and we take it, and we remember the Lord, and we're taking communion. The Bible says, God is saying, you are becoming a proclaimer. So you're actually eating, but you're saying something. There's a message in the meal. There's a message in the meal. You proclaim. Now listen, I looked this word up, proclaim. Proclaim is the same word they use for proclaiming the gospel. How many of you know when you proclaim something, like if I'm going to tell you something, I'm like, hey, uh, I want to tell you something. I may tell you something. I may say something. And I'm like, maybe I'm sure, maybe I'm not sure. But if I'm proclaiming something, how many of you know I'm certain? If someone's proclaiming something, it's like because there's an announcement to make. I, I, oh, I'll share that story another time. I want to keep the word. Is it okay? I got stories fishing stories and shark stories and all the stories so I, I was praying into this I said Lord I said this is a funny phrase how many of you know like just Bible study 101 when I'm reading the word I'm reading it with the Lord and I'll ask him questions I go Lord that's a funny thing to say why would you tell me that who who are we proclaiming to I'll just ask him questions like that who what do you mean proclaiming your death until you come what do you mean by that? That's a funny thing to say. What, so when I'm eating bread and, dr- and drinking the wine with people, taking I'm saying something? Well, who am I saying it to? Who am I saying it And I begin to, I begin to wrestle with this in prayer, and, and I feel like the Lord showed me that there's, there's four right answers to this, possibly five, and I'm going to submit them to you. I believe when we come, do we have the, can I have some bread and some wine just to like hold it? Oh, it's there under the veil. Give it up for Taryn. Look at her run. (sighs) So when we come to the Lord's table, we proclaim his death until he comes. So I want you to understand this dynamic. Every time we come to the Lord's table, there is both a remembrance and a hope aspect to this table. How many of you believe the Lord's coming? Oh, bless you. Thank you. So, the, so we proclaim His death, meaning we remember what He did, but it's until He comes, knowing that this—that our blessed hope is yet to come. Now, Now, this is another preach. This is another day, but I'm telling you, church, we need to awaken to the reality of our blessed hope. The coming of the Lord should be something that excites us. I actually believe that a Jewish man is going to split the sky on a white horse, robe dipped in blood, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, and that when we see him, I will be like him, and I will marry him one day. I believe that. I, no, I believe that a real, the real sky that you see is going to whoosh, split, roll back like a scroll, and that this one who I see with the eyes of my heart, I will see. I will see with the eyes of my eyes, and it'll be like Elf, you know, with, when Santa comes, you know. You've seen the movie Will Ferrell, and he's like, Santa, I know him. <laughs> I know him. I'm gonna, he's going to come, and I'm going to push you out of the way. I'm going to be like, I know him. I know him. I know him. I know him. And faith will be made sight. Listen, I don't know what your eschatology is, but here's mine. I'm going to be with him. That's my eschatology. That's my end time sermon. We will be with him in the flesh. If that doesn't move the needle in your heart, you must be born again. I'm serious. We actually believe that there is a man who is alive and he's coming for us. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale he's very god a very god he's king of kings he's lord of lords and he knows my name and when the sky splits and we lock eyes there's going to be a knowing there's going to be a knowing because he will look he'll look at each one of us we will behold his eyes of fire oh he's not the he's not the he's not what he was john saw him as he is it's going to be the great and terrible day of the lord and every time We come to this meal, we're proclaiming his death, but we're also also remembering and stirring up the reality that he's coming. He's coming. And so listen, I believe the first thing when we come to this Lord's table, I believe what we're saying, the first person that we're speaking to is back to the Lord himself. We're proclaiming his death. What we're saying is, God, I believe you. I believe we're actually it's one of the ways you can say something to God it's a proclamation of faith you're going God I believe you died for me Lord I declare and I believe that you are the one when you take this you're proclaiming from your heart to the Lord I trust you. I have made covenant with you years ago. But today, today, I'm telling you that I still honor our covenant. And it's, it's a way of like, it would be like you sitting down with your spouse and you'd say, my wife and I were married June 2nd, 2007. And it would be like if every meal we took, I was like, hey, I'd do again. Hey, this meal, remember we, remember we ate this at our wedding? I'd do again. That's the picture, is that you're saying, every time you take this in love, you're coming to him and you're going, I remember when you washed my sins. I remember when you delivered me of my demons. I remember when you healed my body. I'd do again. Lord, I'd do again. I'd do, i I lay it all at your feet again. If I I had to make covenant today, I'd do it all again right now. I'd make covenant with you again, Lord. You've been so faithful to me. You've been so faithful, God i do again. Oh God, thank you for this covenant. Thank you, God. And you let it soften your heart. And you let that, you let that love just like. He loves you. He loved you so purely while you were a sinner, while we were running from him, while I was running from him. He said, I love you. Oh, I love you. I want you in my family. Before you've done anything right for me, before you've ever preached a sermon, ever sung a song, ever praised me extravagantly, I want you in my family. That's what this meal is. And I believe when we come to his table in this way, we have an opportunity to fresh and new tell the Lord. And for some of you this morning as we take the Lord's table, you're going to have an opportunity to tell the Lord once again, I do again. I I would do it all over again. Some of you, the Lord's asking you to renew covenant this morning with him. You're born again, you're saved, but your heart, your love has grown cold. And it's at this table. It's at this table where that love is rekindled. Number two, I believe there's precedent. We proclaim the Lord's death to ourselves. David spoke to himself. He spoke to his own soul. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. God has been good to you. And how many of you know sometimes we need to preach ourselves happy? Our thoughts can run wild. This is one of my favorite things to do, is to preach to myself. Because I'm the quickest to get discouraged, to think that God doesn't love me anymore. I mean, y'all, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gospel fanatic because I need it. I need it. I get so, I can get so lost in my own mind and my own feelings and my own thoughts. And I have to preach to myself. And I believe this proclamation is also to me. And so, go to Colossians three. 3. I want you to see this. Specifically, can you put that on the screen? <laughs> Just let this sink in. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. <laughs> if we believed this, a lot of our ministries would dry up. When Jesus died, he didn't just die for each of us, for me. He died as us. And so everything you and I received through Adam, the fall of mankind, sin, the curse of the lust of the flesh, generational sin, iniquity, you name it. Everything that came to us through Adam, Jesus took on the cross did he not was there any sin that jesus did not pay for on the cross so here is the nuance and the distinction that we need to step into i believe as the church many believers we believe that jesus christ died for us meaning he made an agreement with god he took kind of my my ledger away but now, anytime I do something again, I have to go re-kind of engage with that, that transaction. Amen? And subtly, inadvertently, we begin to treat the blood of Jesus no different than the blood of a bull or a goat, like the Old Testament, because every time Israel sinned, they had to bring another bull, another goat. They had to bring more blood. And so we've inadvertently in the church gone, whoa, I did it again. Now I have to go again and again and a and again not realizing that Jesus said listen when I died I invited you to die with me. And so by faith instead of trying so hard to wrestle with sin and brokenness you he's given you the permission to go hey guess what you can actually die to it. All of it. Every bit of sin in your life he said hey by faith let it die. Let it be dead with me on the cross 2,000 years ago. Let it be buried with me 2,000 years ago. Oh, and by the way, why don't you let yourself be resurrected with me to newness of life? Is this okay? I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. Praise God. If they are, they're old man toes. They need to be stepped on anyway. I love stepping on old man toes because that guy's got to, we got we to be dead to sin and alive to God. Amen. This is how you walk in the spirit. It's two steps. Dead to sin, alive to God. Dead to sin, alive to God. That's how you walk in the spirit. If you see something that's not of Christ, you go, oh, I'm dead to that. I'm alive to you. I'm dead to sexual brokenness. I'm alive to purity. I'm dead to selfishness. I'm alive to generosity. Like, that's how you walk in the spirit. Amen? And so when you come to this table, you're saying, hey, you know what? You can examine yourself because the scripture here says, hey, examine yourself. He says, I want you to examine yourself. And you're examining yourself not to to think, well, am I worthy to take this meal? Can I just remove the veil here? No one's worthy to take this meal. No one's worthy. No one comes by their own merit. He's not saying examine yourself to see if you're worthy. He's saying examine yourself to see if you actually believe that this meal is what it says it is. And this meal says that I have died to the life of sin. Come on. This is good news. This means you don't have to wrestle like Jacob the rest of your life. You can actually be free. Okay, 16 of you. Praise God. That's all right. Well, I like preaching to myself, and I need to be reminded that the cross was my cross. Paul actually made it his own. He didn't say, God, you died for me. He said, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's my cross too. And until you're crucified to yourself and to the world, you can't fully belong to Christ. Because you're still wrestling with your carnality. You're still wrestling with your flesh. And you were meant to be dead to your flesh. Okay. All right. I'm going to move on. This one's going to get, it's going to hurt a little worse. So you've got to preach to yourself. You've got to remind yourself that you're dead. I actually, I'm going to stay here just for a quick minute because I feel like we need to. Listen, if you do not believe that you're a good seed, you'll never bear fruit for God. When you gave your life to Christ, he crucified all your nastiness, he buried it, and he resurrected you to newness of life. Now that newness of life may be in seed form, meaning meaning you may still be doing and thinking some stuff that you used to do. Right? Because sometimes that's why we have, our mind has to be renewed. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your spirit man is made new, yet your soul and your body are still used to doing the old sinful things. Right? And this is why there's so many scriptures teaching us to live from the new man. Put off your old man. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self that's created just like God in righteousness and holiness. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. It doesn't say consider yourself alive to sin and go get ministry for it. Oh, I feel like I'm hurting some feelings here. He does not say consider yourself alive to sin, meaning stop making sin your identity. Quit making it so much a part of you. Listen, I'm not dismissing sin, but I'm saying I'm making much of Christ and what he's accomplished. I'm making very much of Christ and going, He has given us permission to say, you know what, that's not me anymore. And listen, this isn't a license to just live on your own and to not confess sin and to not walk in the light and to go, man, listen, I'm I'm wrestling with this thing, but I'm considering myself dead to it, alive to God. Come on, are you with me? All right. The third person we talk to is each other. This is big. When you come to the Lord's table, you look at each other in the eye because you can't hide at the Lord's table. Here you can kind of hide different places. We're a little bit distanced here. But when you're at a table together, you look at one another. And this is 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ controls us. How many of you would like to be controlled by the love of Christ? That's a profound statement. For the love of Christ, Paul says, controls us. Meaning, I can't do anything outside the love of God. That's a bold statement. How did, how did that happen? How did Paul get so controlled by the love of Christ? He says this. I, he goes, I made a conclusion. We have concluded this. That one died for all. Therefore, all died. That those who live might no longer live for who? For themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised again. This is profound. This means the cross isn't just a lens through which God sees you. It's not just a lens through which you see yourself, but it's a covenant to go, you know what? If you're in the family, I don't care your race, I don't care your background, I don't care your economic status. I'm covenanting with my God to see you, to see you through this meal. Like I, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we do, th- do so thus no longer. Why? And this is the scripture that's on all of our mugs. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Listen, we love that for us. But do you know, biblically, scripturally, exegetically, this is not talking about you. It's talking about your neighbor. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's not talking about you. He's teaching you how to look at your neighbor. So when you begin to regard your brother and sister according to the flesh, meaning they sinned against me, I keep this ledger of their wrong, you are now violating this table. You're now collecting debts that Jesus paid for. You're saying, you owe me. You owe me. And Jesus said, but didn't didn't you just eat at my table? Did you not just take of this meal? Did you not just do some accounting? Where's my accountants in the house? Raise your hand. You're an accountant. Raise your hand. Come on. Ray, praise God. We need spiritual accountants in the body of Christ who know how to do accounting according to the cross. It's not, listen, God doesn't sweep sin under the rug. He paid for it with the blood of his son. And its high time, we honor Jesus. You honor Jesus. You forgive as the Lord forgave you. Don't receive forgiveness unconditionally, the love of God, and go, oh, but I'm going to hold this against you. It's hypocrisy. It's wicked. It's wicked. It is. He doesn't make, I'm not making light of sin. Are you kidding me? It's the blood of of Jesus is sufficient for the sin in this room, the sin in Durban, the sin in South Africa, all the sexual brokenness, everything that's happening, the trafficking, the rage, the violence, the hatred, the racism, this cup is sufficient. And it speaks. The blood, it speaks. The blood speaks. And it says, I forgive you. It says, be forgiven. God making his appeal through us. Not counting men's trespasses against them. Why? Why can you not count them? Because of the blood. It's sufficient. I'm not making light of sin. I'm, not, I'm making much of Jesus. I'm making much of Jesus. His blood is enough. And when we come to this table, we look at each other. We look at each other, Colossians 3, 13, and we obey the word of God, and we forgive. We forgive each other as the Lord forgave us. How? How can you do that? How can I forgive my spouse? They should know better. Listen, I want to tell you something. The hardest people to forgive and love are the people that you think should know better by now because you project your judgment upon them and, and, and you project what you think they should be like upon them, and you, they, they know better. But they know better. And so you, you create a ledger, a list, a ledger, we say ledger here. You create a list of the wrongs and those weigh upon your soul. And Proverbs 18 says, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes are like the barred gates of a castle and they're and they're existing in the church everywhere why because we don't know how to come to the Lord's table and to proclaim you know what i don't just see myself this way i see you this way and and listen i want to tell you you can't do this in your own strength this is so impossible without the Holy Spirit. Come broken. You come humble. And you go, you go, Dad, they've hurt me so bad. I know there's some of you in this room. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt so bad by people in the church. I know it. I'm not, not a prophet. I'm just telling you, you. You've been hurt. You've been betrayed. And on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. It was the context that this meal was served was in the midst of betrayal. And so what, he's, what is he saying? He's saying It works. It works in the midst of betrayal. He said, I'm, I'm the most innocent, spotless one that ever was, and I was unjustly betrayed. And he says, I want you to know, it still works in the midst of this. And so you proclaim, listen, what would this look like, Glenridge, if we begin to take the Lord's table and proclaim to one another, I'm not going to hold your sins against you. I'm going to let you off the hook. We're going to be one. If his body was broken, then we're going to be one body. I'm not going to let his brokenness go for one. Listen, do you know this is the one prayer? All the other prayers, Jesus answers for us, but Jesus prayed that we would be one. This is one prayer that we can actually answer of Jesus'. We can come together as one at the Lord's table. And we can forgive one another. And we can have a common union. And so here we are from America, and I know that even though we take this table to- together today, we're going to take this and... The band can come up if they want. Or... We've got a few more, but we're going to just kind of ease into it. This last one's fun. So we've proclaimed the Lord's death to himself. We remind ourselves of covenant. We renew covenant number two. We proclaimed the Lord's death to ourselves. We remind ourselves ourselves of who we are in him, that we have died to sin, we're alive to God. Number three, we'll proclaim his death to one another. What we're saying is, listen, I am covenanting to see you as a new creation. You may be acting a mess right now. You may be acting a fool. (laughs) But I'm controlled by the love of God. And I know the only reason you're acting that way is because you're stuck in your flesh and I'm gonna knock it off of you. I'm gonna look at you with the eyes of faith. I'm gonna look at you like Jesus looks at you. I'm going to love you and treat you as the new creation that you are until you wake up and realize that you're a son, you're a daughter, you're better than that, you're bigger than that. Because, listen, you know why people hurt you? Because they're living for themselves. And if you're not living for yourself, then it doesn't sting as much. I'll leave that there. Hebrews 2, this is the last one. This is an important one. Are y'all good? I hope you're eating. I believe the last entity that we proclaim the Lord's death to is the devil. Hebrews 2, 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise, partook of the same things, flesh and blood, Why did you do that jesus why did god put on flesh and blood why did he become a man well the bible tells us he became a man so that he could die as a man had he never took on that which could die that that which was carnal he could have never died why is that important peter well through death he might destroy say destroy now destroy is not a destroy is it the same here destroy if you destroy something it's finished there's got to be like an afrikaans word that's just you know whatever it's finished i'm sure there's one i feel it in my spirit like a tongue coming up out of me finished through death listen to this through death how did he destroy the one through death. Through death he destroyed. Watch this. This is profound. Through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil, to make it clear. He goes, I want you to be clear of this. Through death Jesus destroyed the devil. And he destroyed the devil to deliver all those who through the fear of death We're subject to lifelong slavery. He says this, if you're afraid of death, you're a slave. If you're afraid of death, you're a slave. And so when we take this cup, when we take this meal, we're proclaiming to the powers of darkness. (laughs) Like it says in Corinthians, had they known, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Whoops. Whoops. Hashtag mistake, because because through your doing, death has been defeated forever, and we've made covenant with this God, and death no longer has dominion over the people of God. Hebrews nine, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ will come a second time, not in reference to sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for them. For those who are in Christ, we have died once. We've been crucified with Christ. And now, if death comes knocking on our door, we say, hi, thank you very much. We're going to go meet our Savior. Hallelujah! The devil has been destroyed. This means we're not living looking for a demon in every bush. We live in victory. It doesn't make us cocky and arrogant. It makes us dependent makes us humble and it makes us servant of men who are still in bondage to him. So we're going to take communion. I don't know how we're going to serve it. How does it, people come. But but there's, a, there's one group left. And I believe, and I want to say this before we actually take it. Because we're all going to come and, and take. But there's one group I left out. I included everyone. I, everyone that you can speak to biblically. <laughs> but there's one group here that it's those of you who do not know Jesus. You've never made covenant with him. And if you're unwilling to make covenant with him, don't come, don't eat, don't drink. This is a covenant table. But I do feel in my heart, I feel the joy of the Lord. I feel His love for you. I feel His excitement for you. There are some here who may not know Jesus in this way that I'm describing. Maybe you grew up in church. That doesn't make you a Christian. Making covenant with Jesus through His cross, through His broken body, His shed blood, receiving the forgiveness of sins, and by faith being born again. That makes you a Christian. And for those of you who have never done that... I feel a special invitation to you this morning that if you're willing to make covenant with Him, it's more than a, you're not coming to an altar, you're not coming to me, you're coming to the table of the Lord Himself. And there's not just a cracker and juice at the table, the Lord is there. The Lord Himself is there at the table and I believe He wants to feed you His broken body and to serve you The cup of covenant. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to be bold because when I made covenant with my wife, I got dressed real nice. And I wanted everyone to see me because I looked real nice. And I stood before a group of people and I wanted them to know I'm marrying this beautiful woman. And I want to tell you this morning, there's an opportunity for you, a really special opportunity to make covenant with the living God. It's more than joining a a, a church or a club. It's making covenant with the living God and becoming a member of the body of Christ through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you. I believe there's a special place for you at the Lord's table. I want to invite you to stand up. With every eye opened and head swiveling around, I'm serious. I want you to stand as if God himself, thank you, brother, as if Jesus Christ himself. (laughs) This was the proposal. God made a proposal. He got down on one knee and he said, will you marry me, son? And And he held out his son like a ring to you. Will you marry me? Will you make covenant? You're like, that's weird. I'm a guy. Yeah, but it's awesome. It's the love of God. And he sees you this morning, son. He sees you. Come on. You can lift your hands and just praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on. You guys, come down. Can you, can Greg and Taryn, can you all serve him? I want to serve them first. I want to serve those first that want to come and be born again. And so anyone else, you're going to come. And and some of the team from Glenridge here is going to meet you. They're going to pray with you. And you're going to make covenant. Anyone else? I'm going to just two seconds. Then we got to carry on. Don't don't tarry if this is you. All right, brothers, will you guys come on? Would everyone stand to your feet as these brothers come down? We can celebrate. We're all going to take communion. Yeah, these two guys that stood. Can you come? Come here. We're going to take communion together. Those two in particular that stood. And then Greg and Taryn are going to tell us. So listen, as we come and we get the elements, they're going to tell you just now how to do this. I don't know which one of these aspects of the Lord's table moved you this morning. But I believe God wants to meet you. And He wants to meet you at His table. He wants to awaken your heart. He wants to heal your body. He wants to forgive your sins. And He wants to breathe new life into you. Amen? Amen? So if you come, listen, when the Bible says, it says, when you come, examine yourself. And I really want to give you a warning. This is good news. Do not come. Do not come and just take it if you don't, like, you have permission. This doesn't mean you're not a believer. But if you're, like, in a place and you're just like, man, I'm still not, I just, I'm not in faith. I don't really, I don't really feel connected to the, just, just don't come. Because (laughs) that's not a mean thing. It's just, He says examine yourselves and make sure that you understand that this is awesome. That there's faith in your heart to take this meal. That you're expectant that God's going to meet you. Amen? Amen.